Hello, and welcome back to the Crazy Confidence Coach Podcast. Today is a very special day. I will be sharing a very heartfelt conversation with my first podcast guest. I'm beyond blessed and excited to share this conversation with you and even more proud that it's my mother. When you think back on your life, you will find that many people influence you along the way. Today's conversation is all about how I interpreted a few of the lessons I picked up during my childhood. My mother has always been a courageous and confident woman in my mind. I've looked up to her and I've often wondered where she got her strength. I know the confidence I have inside me was molded from some of the lessons I learned from watching her. Although this conversation is sweet, intimate, and primarily around the positive experiences we shared in our family, there are so many things that we didn't talk about. Things that were challenging, unique, and equally as formative. We struggled. We fought. I disappointed her many times over my life. As you listen, consider the stories and experiences you have that you could tap into that would give you guidance. Can you find experiences you've learned lessons that were valuable and formative in a positive way? In every single family and in every single relationship, there is a dichotomy of the good and the not so good. We get to choose what we focus on. What do we give power to? The positive and the negative definitely ebbs and flows over a lifetime. We grow and we expand into individuals that are uniquely created. We don't always have to agree. It's actually a beautiful thing when we don't agree and we are able to respect one another anyway. This is where the magic is in relationships. What I'm learning in my pursuit of fulfillment and contentment in life is how much I want to focus on the blessings, the good. One of the reasons I believe I'm a great coach is because I have so many experiences that weren't so wonderful in life. They too molded me into who I am today. I have experienced trauma and loss on a level many people don't. But then again, how many of us walk around with a poster board sharing all the hauntings of our past? I coach many people who have climbed mountains nobody has seen. My hope is that this conversation sparks some memories in your mind of your upbringing. If it wasn't your mother, that's okay. Try not to focus on that. Who was there? Who did you look up to? What sparks of confidence did they instill in you? How can you tap into those experiences today? Lastly, if you are a parent, know that your littles are watching. They are wishing to be like you in ways you never knew. As a child, I used to pray every single night for my mother's blue eyes. What's crazy is she didn't know this until I was an adult. Most importantly, Children don't care about the stuff you buy or the gifts that you give them. They care about the lessons you share and the most grand of them all, the love you give them. When you put down your phone and you meet them where they are, that's what matters. The moment you see them for who they are and not who you want them to be, dig in, get real, and be real with your children. Thank you for listening in, and I hope you enjoy listening to this sweet conversation with my mama. I absolutely know what a privilege it is to have her on my show. Are your big dreams sitting on the shelf collecting dust? Do you second-guess yourself or question how you would handle it if you tried and it didn't work out? Listen. 
What is the cost of not going for it? Welcome to the Crazy Confidence Coach Podcast. My name is Heather Edwards. I'm a master certified life coach. If you've been looking for a blueprint for how to stop being a paralyzed perfectionist, this is for you. I'll share how to uncover what is keeping you from doing what you really want to do, bridging the gap between who you are and who you want to be. We will tackle how to use mind management to get rid of negative thinking, procrastination, and anxiety. Along the way, I'll sprinkle in a little inspiration to keep you motivated. One thing is for sure, you will come away more confident and ready to do whatever you put your mind to. Let's do this. Hello. So here I am and I've invited you, Mom, because of two things. One, podcast is all about confidence. But my confidence was built largely because of growing up with you and like all the things that I've seen you deal with in your life and go through and some experiences that I want to share with my listeners just because I think they're super fun. Why you giving me my confidence through life, we'll talk about that, but then also wanting to talk about some of your life and how you already had confidence to make some of the decisions that you had to make and doing them in a way that was so courageous and confident in a time where you didn't have all the books or the podcast or all the things to go to. I I guess let's go ahead and start back with a conversation about JJ. Talk about when you had Jay. Let's go just back to that moment and how that went for you and dad. Well, Jay was born in uh, Lackland Air Force Base in San Antonio. He was born with Down syndrome and in 1973, Down syndrome, we were told to just walk away and leave him in the hospital, and they would take care of placing him in a center. We were young. You know, I said, no, God gave me the baby, and I'm going, we're going to go home with him. My husband, of course, was with me and agreed that we're taking the baby home. He we don't know what, what we're doing, but we're going to take him home. If God gave him to us, he wants us to have him. So that's sort of why really what happened. Jay was in the hospital for about four weeks. Yeah. And he did come home. Were you scared with all that unknown, or did you just kind of like, ah, we'll figure it out? I really think I just said we'll figure it out because, you know, there weren't all the books and things and people yeah. tell what they told me was you know put him in a center I just know that God gave him to me and yeah he God didn't give me the center instructions <laughs> yeah well obviously we're all blessed that you guys made that decision because Jay's actually Jay has taught me a lot about confidence too if I'm being honest if I think about so many of the things that have happened in my life and I've watched him he doesn't have the same filter that we all have mm-hmm. because people <laughs> tend to we think we worry about what other people think and Jay just doesn't have that filter um well I think he does care what people think but he's so loving and he's so uh himself he doesn't go in with that pretense he's mm-hmm. just himself which is amazing except for the time I, I'll tell the story that the listeners will probably get a kick out of this I remember being in a bank one time <laughs> do, do you know where I'm going O'Fallon <laughs> Illinois we were in the bank and JJ was probably four mm, four or five he was not, not that even old. that old and he was walking okay he was he was walking so he was toddling 
okay. I just remember looking, you know, kind of looking at him, mm-hmm. and he had his hand, and he was running it up this lady's legs because she had pantyhose on, and he liked the feel of the pantyhose. <laughs> but that poor woman um, kind of freaked out in the middle of the bank, and I remember that as a child just being like, oh, no. It was just such a big deal. It really was a lot of fun for us to laugh. Um, and he just liked the feel of the pantyhose. He didn't really care. So he was attracted to the pantyhose. <laughs> did that bother you? Or did you just, were you, I remember laughing. So maybe my well, experience. Well, it embarrassed It embarrassed you, yeah. It, you know, everybody came out of their office because oh, it, she was that. a big screen. But. Then it was kind of a chuckle, you know, right? Because she finally realized he was no, just a little boy <laughs> doing a little boy, you know, just yeah. looking. Yeah, that was O'Fallon in Illinois. That's funny. I didn't remember that's where we were, but so you uh, you had a lot of big things happen, and I don't know how much we want to go down all those roads. But the other thing that I often think about when I think about you and confidence is. And I don't remember it very much, but when you had Rocky Mountain Spotted Fever, um, I was young, you survived that, but then you had to learn how to speak again. And I remember standing in a kitchen <laughs> trying to help you understand how to say the word spaghetti. And um, But I just, I've, I'm impressed. So I've just been impressed throughout my life with how much, you know, tenacity that has to have to kind of like restart because you literally lost language and I don't know how much, how long that took to recover, but talk about that from your standpoint. I don't remember a lot of that time because I was so sick for so long. Right. My temperature was, well, I don't know the temperature because I was not aware <laughs> right. of anything. Um, but it was high enough at the hospital in the emergency room that they could not bring it down. And... We're talking 1973, so medicine was not what it is today. Right. I was taken. I don't remember any of this. Dad does. Yeah. Um, he, he was there for the whole thing. Uh, put me in a tub of ice. Apparently, I was submerged in a tub of ice. That did not help. Mm-hmm. Um, so they put alcohol in it, is what he shares, and... Eventually, obviously, he said I was kind of blue when I came out, but I don't know because I was unconscious for uh, for about two weeks. I was just in a state of unawareness of life. So it was a really, it you know, it really wasn't hard for me because I didn't know what was going on. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel anything, but I'm sure it was hard for Dad. So you weren't in any pain. Um, you were just more what I my experience with fever is that you're just kind of out of it, in and out of it. Terribly out of it. Um of course I had IVs and things in my body and apparently they tied they wrapped my hands on the sides of the bed because I was trying to pull the IVs out because I thought it was you and I was trying to rock you. And Jay was three months old when this happened. So you were actually about 15 months old. But in the bed. Right. You, you when were, you're feverish. You're, and, the, yeah. you're the baby that I yeah. need to be rocking. And so apparently I got tied to the bed. <laughs> How awful. I, but I didn't. It Apparently it did bother me. Because apparently I required being tied to Strain. the bed. 
yeah. restrained to the bed. That's better. Restrained <laughs> and tied down. Hey, tied down is what happened. <laughs> but, um, you know, God was all over that. Yeah. All over that. I, I should not be here, but he wanted me here. Yeah, for sure. So, and I'm glad about that. Yeah. <laughs> so... The result of that, though, was you losing all of your hair from the fever. That's not a bad thing when you got a toddler around. <laughs> Isn't baby. that that's true? I guess. You didn't have to worry about a hairdo. I, I didn't. Um, and then you lost your speech. Did you lose all of your speech? I totally lost my speech. I have no speech. I just recently, as I've shared with you, have a, a specialist that Dad's working with for hearing aids. Uh, because we, it's a hearing issue for him now, and my soft voice is a problem. And I actually have a mic you haven't seen me wear yet. <laughs> and she said, Your vo- you don't project. And I said, that's what's happening all these years. I'm not projecting. I didn't. I probably stopped therapy early. Uh, uh, yeah. I, that just occurred to me. That I'm not, I don't project strong enough, and that's why I have a soft voice. Because mm-hmm. um, this is not the voice I grew up with. You probably gave all the projection to me. <laughs> that could be it. Because I projected all times. I'm yeah. very loud. I've been told I was loud numerous times. Those are two pretty significant times early on. Mm-hmm. Well, I say early on. That's not early on for you because you had a whole life before that, but early on for my life and I don't know how much of that other than remembering to you know that spaghetti I don't remember other words but for some reason that particular experience I just remember and it was funny because at that time you couldn't get that spa that spa part Mm -hmm. and I just remember being like no mom it's it's like this it was because of that that you had to learn those words and I've just been amazed that sometimes life brings you a lot especially when you first get married my husband and I of course had our first five years of crazy mm-hmm. you know I look at you and dad and all the stuff you went through for that first several years but for me as your child it was it gave me confidence and when I look back at my husband what we went through of course I can't do this without getting emotional I remember thinking we can do it because mom and dad did so much more. You know, I didn't, you know, life just brings you things. But, you know, especially having God there to help you get through them, it's really important. But also having people in your life that tell you you can do it is important. So that was why I wanted to start off with the conversation with you as my first guest, because I was like, I'm not the only reason I am who I am today. It's because I watched you navigate so much. Um, and anyhow, okay. So we're off to continue. We talked about Jay and we talked about the Rocky Mountain side of fever, which a lot of people kind of think is just a uh, like, oh, that's not real. But Mm -hmm. it is (laughs) because my mom had it. And um, and it can really be very um, the um, life changing. I was in Steel Hospital in Jeff City, Missouri. And once I could be transferred, I was transferred I think about three or four weeks later, I was transferred to Scott Air Force Base in Jeff City when uh, they allowed Dad to transfer me to the base because he was. We had left St. Louis uh, to San Antonio, excuse me, to go to Illinois. And Grandma read in the records because she had gone to nursing school. 
she wasn't working. Grandma Micah. Grandma Micah. And they there was um, a note in the records that the coroner had been alerted. Oh, wow. Um, to not leave over the weekend because I was expiring. <laughs> but, That's not funny. <laughs> but... Today it's funny, but it wasn't scary. It was very scary for Grandma and for Dad and and for people who who had the ability to really think about it because I didn't have the ability to think about it. So did she read that during that time? Like, she knew that at the moment. Like, she saw the record as... She saw During that time. She saw the record on the way to... We stopped. You guys were at Grandma and Grandpa's in Manchester. And we stopped so I could visit you. Wow, that had to be kind of scary. And that's where Grandma read it because she she said, let me see this record. And so, yeah, but, you know, God was in control. God's been in control of my whole life. And he has done amazing things. Mm -hmm. That's the only confidence I have. It's as a child watching your parents navigate life I don't think you're you realize what's happening. I don't think you realize what's impacting you and what isn't impacting you at the time. But as I look back on things, I'm like, oh, you know, that's how I why I am the way I am sometimes. So I'll I'll tell the story for my listeners. We didn't have a lot of food. We were just having a rough time. And I remember we lived in Florida in a little neighborhood. I still remember the home. I'll, I've driven by it several times. And back then I thought it was a mansion. It's it was a pretty small house. It's like <laughs> kind of where I live in now. But it was funny because um, at the time, we were just struggling and trying to put t- food on the table. We walked to the... It was actually a gas station. A quick stop. Like a quick stop. And you would grab the phone and a pay phone because back then we didn't have cell phones and pagers mm-hmm. or even a computer mm-hmm. in our home. And no one did. <laughs> no, you're right. No one did at that time. That was what, 1978-ish? 1970, in the 70s. Yeah. In the 70s. I looked down and, oh my goodness, it kind of gives me chills because I looked down and I found a $100 bill. Today, a $100 bill would be a big deal. Mm -hmm. But back in the 70s, a $100 bill was kind of like catching a $1,000 bill, right? (laughs) And I snatched that $100 bill and I remember like throwing it up in your face and saying, everything is solved. We found a $100 bill. And you pretty calmly just said, oh, honey, that's not our bill. And I'm going to let you finish what you had me do because it's, you know, you're the one that did it. But that moment in time has really molded me in a lot of my life. So you tell kind of the rest of the story. Well, I just did what I hope all parents would do. That's not my money. That's not our money. And I had um, you take it in to the clerk and give it to them. And, of course, I shared that she's felt this on the ground. I'm going, I believe he said that, you know, I don't know who's been on the phone, but if I will keep this and after a week, if it's still here, come back and I'm going to give it to you. And uh, that's what happened. Yeah, that's what I, re- happened. I remember that. And I, I think at that time I was still shy. <laughs> 
<laughs> because I remember you also asking, are you asking me to hand the $100 bill yes. to him? Yes. And I remember being very, I had a little bit of rebellion in yes. me for just a second. I was like, no, I am not handing this $100 bill over. I found it. But I did. You assured me that, you know, it's okay. We're fine. But in my mind, you had the answer to this, the solution right there for the problem that we were having at that moment. And that was just to get more groceries. Mm-hmm. In my mind, you just walk in and get more groceries. Here's a $100 bill. The trust and the confidence that you would be taken care of and knowing that mm-hmm. God had your back and that we would be taken care of. I was not old enough at that time to understand that concept, but it has truly, truly formed me. And I have told that story to people, but I have really held on to that. And I just wonder about people and how they come up with confidence or not having confidence. And it's my life now as I coach people and as I am trying to figure out how do I help people with that. Some of it comes from how you grew up and the support you've had. And I also believe you can develop it, of course. I really wanted to honor who I am is so much about how I was raised, what I experienced, um, and what I've seen you experience and Jay and Dad and Sean, like just everybody in my life, which everybody in the world has that experience. Mm -hmm. They've grown up with people that influence them. But for me, it's mine. As well... I got that from grandma and grandpa. Ah, yeah. You know, they they were pretty black and white about behaviors and, and things like that. There was a year, I can't tell you, I was probably eight or nine, ten. My mother's, your grandma's sister called her from, I believe they were in Georgia. It was in a service, and they had no money for Christmas. Mama got off the phone crying. Because her sister was telling her that Christmas is almost here, two days, and it would be Christmas, and they were going to have nothing for the kids for Christmas. And my dad, mom got off the phone, what's wrong, honey? And she shared this story. He goes, we got to be on the road in an hour. And we were on the road in an hour, and we stopped at Montgomery Wards. It was in Capitol Plaza. On the end, we stayed in that station wagon all, however many there were of us at that point. All seven of us, I don't believe, were here yet. Um, They went in and they went shopping and bought Christmas gifts for everybody and the kids. And we drove straight to Georgia. And of course, they had crazy Christmas stuff (laughs) because other people knew Um, Um, So everybody was pitching in. Everybody was pitching in their neighbors. And we have pictures of that event. You know, we... That's one of your memories that you just kind of hold on to a lot. That's that's just the trust. I'm not sure where my mom... Well, I do. A credit card. (laughs) They had those back then, Mom? They they, they had a Montgomery Ward credit card. Yes. (laughs) And and that's how we did that. But to be honest, to be trustworthy, to be a woman or man of your word, and to help where you can help. That's, you know, and then that God's going to provide. Mm-hmm. He will get us through. It will not look like what you think it will every time. Most of the times, no. Yeah. And that's okay because it's in God's will. And, you know, you've learned a lesson. 
And I, I always tell Aiden and Ryan, that's, of course, you know, your niece and <laughs> nephew. Nephew and niece, nephew. Our listeners um, because they play sports so much. Mm-hmm. And there's, you know, sports today is, um, I think kids can learn a lot. I always tell them, you know, you know you're going to win some, you're going to lose some, and you're going to learn a lot. Yeah. And, yeah. That's, and, and that's life. That's, right. that's life. That's right. not just sports. That's just how I apply it to their life. You're going to win some, you're going to lose some, and you're going to learn a whole lot. And hopefully they'll remember that as they get older. And I think one thing that's super poignant for me, I guess, is that I always thought confidence, one, was something that people were born with or they just had that confidence was when you have it all together. And I think the thing that I really want my listeners to understand or the people I coach is that that's actually the opposite. It's super hard to teach that confidence is literally being messy and the messy of it and things not being perfect Mm -hmm. and learning to be okay when they're not perfect. I don't know why I always, I'm sure you could speak to it because as a child, I think I was a little bit of a perfectionist in things. The older I get, the more I understand that it truly is so different than that. So one of the things that, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you too is just to share how life can be really kind of crazy and you can still have confidence to do it anyway. And that's like with Jay, when you had Jay, not really knowing how it would all turn out, how at that time in the 70s, having a Down syndrome child was not, there weren't resources for help. I remember being in school with him and I hadn't even thought about this till this very moment, but he went to the same school I went to and some friends came out, told me that the little boys were in the bathroom with him and were making him take his clothes off. Well, I didn't like that, of course. So I stormed in there and obviously helped him get dressed and I don't think I hit anyone, but I I was sassy and I was not a very good little girl and ended up in the principal's office who by the way I don't remember who he was we could probably find out but he was a fantastic man because he tried really hard not to laugh but told me that I could never go back into the boys bathroom <laughs> um, even though he knew why I did it and I told him I would do it again to protect Jay. And it wasn't until later, I don't know, maybe a year or two later that Jay was able to go to a school that was more supportive for him. For me, I think at the time, of course, I didn't understand it, but I look back on all of that and all of those little things help me see that it's the messy parts that make you confident, not not the perfect parts. The perfect parts, you don't build confidence mm-hmm. by everything being okay and being right. You build confidence by figuring it out and being messy and failing and falling on your face and dusting yourself off and getting up anyway. A couple things that I have always, I've been impressed with you as a mom, my mom was the ability for you to open your tea rooms. You've always had this ability to teach people to use what they have now, make everything special now, not waiting for a special occasion. So if you have stemware that's sitting in your cabinet, going ahead and using it for water now every day. There's something very valuable about that because we all tend to like wait for the next time to feel special. And 
with your tea rooms, I think what you did so well was help people feel special right then and there in the middle of whatever's going on to stop and take the moment to have pretty things, dainty things, things that are good and your scones are hands down the best scones that I've ever tasted. I know for a fact that there are several other people that believe the same. My husband tries to get scones every time he goes somewhere he can get them. And he's not a scone guy, but he's like, I just can't find scones like your mom could make. And I'm pretty sure you've always just had this ability to make people feel special. And I think there's something about feeling special that builds confidence. You were always the person who believed not scold a child for breaking the china, for instance, in the tea room. You would just kind of pick it up and we would create something later with it or sell people broken pieces because people literally will buy broken pieces of china. So that is something that has really stuck with me as well and helped me see that broken pieces don't mean much other than they're broken pieces. You put them back together and you can still make something really beautiful out of that. I know that I was, I have an old-fashioned mom and dad. Of course, you know, they're both in heaven. Their philosophy in life was all about the boys and there were two girls and um, they loved us and took really good care of us. But, you know, when you're a kid and that's what your life is about, you know, I was never um, going to school beyond high school was never even on the cards for me. Mm -hmm. from them and I was always I was going to be a housewife by their choice do you think that was just the stand the times well no because I have or do you think that was grandpa being well it was probably a, I guess we were still in that time yeah. I don't think it was the time I think many friends went to college and mm-hmm. and even as they got older you know people st- still needed to work and go out um into the world but it just so happens that God didn't have that that was God's plan for me that wasn't just my parents plan that was God's plan for my life because you know I met and married uh, your father and married him within eight weeks and he asked me when he asked me to marry him he said I really want you to be my wife I want you to take care of our home I want you to be a stay-at-home mom I want you to take care of all of our children and you know, because we have children. Some of that I do think is the times, but even when I think about when Bobby and I were considering marriage, very vividly remember going through this book. It was The Hard Questions is the name of the book. And we just spent a day after church, I believe, on a Sunday and just answered all the hard questions. We took the entire book and we just were very clear about what we wanted out of the relationship. I think we were even more clear about what we didn't want, which changes over time, but Yes, I do think there's a value in, you know, dad was just clear, like, this is what I want. I want you to take, you know, and and I didn't realize this till later in life about how much he wanted dinner on the table and some things that he had specific ideas about how that would look down to (laughs) being in high school, coming home from dates. And I apologize to all the boyfriends I ever had because (laughs) my parents knew every single thing that happened on the date, everything. But those were channels that you guys left open, and I don't know how much that would be there if you didn't have that commitment to have a home that was structured in that way. I know you worked, and things that happened along the way that changed that, I can think of stories with that. But I believe that a lot of 
how you were, you were all older when that happened. Actually, I guess the first time we really worked was when Sean went to school. Mm-hmm. And of course, nine. Uh, no, it wasn't nine eleven. It Challenger, was the space it was shuttle. The space shuttle blew up, and um, yeah, I was advised by a counselor that the behavior he had, because he had some bizarre behavior, that that would stop. Because I wanted to know if I stopped working, would it help, or do I need? I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about leaving my job. And I love my job. I, you know, I love my job. Um, and he said he will. He'll be fine. And he was. Mm-hmm. Just knowing the night that we were in business meeting, of course, you know, I was church secretary. I think the a staff member read it that I was resigning. That night, Sean changed. All of that was gone. All of that fear that he had was gone. Because he was afraid I would never come home. That was his oh, focus. Okay. That mama was on the spaceship. She blew up. She didn't come home. And that was scary for him. Once I made the decision and he knew it, it took six months, you know, because I couldn't leave until they replaced me or I chose not to leave because he felt safe. Had he not felt safe, that would have just, it would have been their problem right because my focus has always been and will always be my family my family first following god i think about even that like staying and finishing the job i've always given extra time at jobs when i leave Mm -hmm. them even to my own detriment yes not that that's suggested to anyone who's listening (laughs) because it has always been the wrong answer long term It is something that I've just always had this integrity about me doing the right thing. And that sometimes can be subjective because there have been times that I've thought I was doing the right thing and it ended up not being the right Right. thing. But even that is okay. Yes, that is okay. And I think that that's... Don't dwell on it. Right. You don't dwell on it. You recognize you made a mistake or maybe it's not even a mistake. Maybe it's just the way life should have been worked out, right? So I want to speak to... um, you know, we talked a little bit about the tea rooms, and I think we kind of changed paths on that with the tea rooms. But I think the tea rooms, for so many reasons, were important for me about just just doing it. Like, sometimes nothing is lined up perfectly. Well, no, mm-hmm. not sometimes. 90% of the time, <laughs> things are not lined up perfectly. Yeah. <clears throat> and I think one of the things that, for me as a coach, as a woman... And as a person who wants to be out there in the world supporting other women making decisions, to not necessarily wait for it to be perfect because there may never be a perfect time. With us, you your last tea room, we opened in Martindale. And in 2019, the end of 2019, we have, were in a position where we were at a high growth period. And just kind of at this place of we need to do some big things, either move to another location because it was growing pretty fast the tarnished teapot was and we made the decision not to move forward for lots of personal reasons some things that weren't working and we won't go into those details what I really learned from all of that experience is that I think that we tend to want everything to be perfect and if it doesn't work out the way we thought it was then somehow we failed and I really remember believing no we we evaluated this situation 
we looked at all the all the parameters, all the things that were before us, and made a decision, a business decision, to close the doors. And we were, I think it was hard to get rid of all the pretty things. <laughs> That's always the hard part. The hard part. And still, we're getting rid of pretty things. Um, and may never get rid of some of the pretty things. That's true. But I think that was another thing I learned from you, is that it doesn't have to be a failure. Right. It was not a failure. It's just because we needed to close. It was a protection as it turned out. Right. Well, and if you look at you move forward by four or five months. Yes. COVID hit. Yes. And I still believe that was a God thing. I absolutely know it was. Sometimes you do things and they're not perfect, but they're there for a season or a reason, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. And it's okay. It's okay. And it's still exactly the way it's supposed to be absolutely i do miss jack one jackie I do miss <laughs> oh, jackie. We, we, jackie was our resident i still have jackie actually um and i one of the I pretty miss, things that i want to go miss her clothes jacqueline was our resident mannequin that we would dress in really pretty attire and she had a name jacqueline i always thought jackie onassis was amazing she so. was and um, that's why I think we named her that. But I really wanted to make that come home with my my listeners that starting isn't always perfect. Very rarely will be. And sometimes you just have to do it. And I still don't regret that. Like that, that time was so much fun. We have great memories. We really had some amazing guests there. We actually, are, I'm trying to convince you <laughs> to do a cookbook. And tie in all those recipes so they don't go away and we can keep making them um, and other people can make them. So stay tuned to that one. But I'll certainly let everybody know if that happens because I know a lot of people who listen who would be interested. But is there anything, there are so many things I could talk about, but there is there anything that you would like to add or? Well, I would like to, I would like to tell you that you have a lot of confidence and you did, you always have had a lot of confidence. Um, I just know that when you went to college, you did it all by yourself. You did, I think one time we bought books for you and you didn't want to have to have that happen. But, you know, you said, no, I can do this. So you developed confidence way before you realized that you did. Because- maybe stubbornness. <laughs> Well, and maybe that's some of my confidence, because life is hard. You need someone to depend on. I hope that was, and I believe that we were there for, for you guys, and I think that we're really proud of you guys, and you all are to have done things that you needed confidence for. You know, you and Sean and Jay does things that he has to have confidence for. Um, He doesn't really care. I do see times when you all have a little bit of confidence. I don't take credit for it. I was the mama, and that was my job. By my husband's request, it's easier to pay attention to the kids when they're with you. Right. I have, you've worked beautifully, and, you know, you've struggled because you've had life issues. And Sean and Kristen, I think, have done a really good job with their Absolutely. two children and and Kristen's worked her whole life mm-hmm. you know and 
I got to be, you know, I got to be a stand-in for some of that time. You do what you know. So I just encourage people to prioritize your kids. And I think for me, some people know my story. Some people don't. I don't know how much I've shared so far, but Bobby and I, my husband and I, tried to have kids and it didn't work out. We had several miscarriages. We have people in our peripheral vision that are not blood, but have really become family. And and I just truly believe that blood doesn't necessarily have to mean family. There's so much to that that we can't get in today. Maybe that's another episode. But I say that to only say that the things that really matter, the things that do build confidence for your, your family and your kids and your wife and your spouse and it's when you pay attention. Mm-hmm. It's when you are present. Yes. The presence, like what you buy them, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Being present with them, being in front of them, being mm-hmm. being really with them and really hearing them and really understanding them. Watching, because we're not, none of us are perfect. Right. We, we joke about how, you know, the podcast here, <laughs> I get to say the good things. Like we could have a whole other podcast on all the, you know, the times we've had fights or yeah. the times oh, that we didn't agree or the things that I did that weren't, didn't make you proud or whatever. But the reality is, is that life, you can still build confidence in your children and each other when you're not perfect. Right. You don't have to be perfect right. to to have the belief that you're going to be okay, that things will work out okay, even when you give the $100 bill back, even when you don't have presents for your kids at Christmas, even when you're in a tub of ice, you know, that could have turned out totally different. And I recognize that. But I think the whole reason I wanted to have you on first was for me my confidence journey started there. That's where it started for me. I'm responsible for my interpretation of all of it. Mm -hmm. Like we are all individually responsible for how we show up in the world, right? regardless of our circumstances, because not everything was perfect. There's a lot about my life that we didn't even touch that I could like throw up and tell you so many things, but it's all about how you interpret and choose to show up in the world. And I've just have been blessed <laughs> to watch you show up in the world the way you do. Wow. And be an example for me. You are the blessing. Up. Yeah, you are the yeah. God God the blessings are all from God. Yeah, they are. And But you had to do those all the things too. You had to be present to me, to Sean, to Dad, to Jay, to your family. The reason Bobby and I are so committed to our families is because we watched our families be committed to family. You've had a heritage of marriage in your life. Right. You have two grandparents that each celebrated 50 plus years. Yep. And one celebrated. And Bobby's grandparents did the same thing. And Bobby's yeah. grandparents. And yeah. Have. Yeah. You guys. So, yes. And, um, you know, so those are a lot of things that. So there's a lot of stuff that has happened. Yeah. In everybody's life. That's nothing new. Yeah. There's That's nothing new. Everybody has a lot of stuff in their life. You have to. You have to have some sort of confidence, even if it's not real confidence today. Sometimes it's one little step. One one step at a time, but believe that it will be okay because it will be okay. Yes. And tomorrow's always another day. Yes. I can I can really remember a time where every day truly was a tough day. And you know, to this to the extent that I I, I, I would say lie to my husband, but I would mislead him highly mm-hmm. because I would 
get up, say goodbye to him, usher him off to work and go back to bed because I was so sad Mm -hmm. and truly think I was depressed. I had a friend call me out and said, you know, I think you're depressed. And Mm -hmm. I'm just like, oh, no, not me. And I look back on that. And of course, you know, I was really hurting for a long time, but it's just sometimes it's just one little step, one little moment looking. And during that time, there was one thing I did every day. One thing. And I don't know why I had the wherewithal to do that at this time, but I would just pick three things every single day I was grateful for. That's it. That's all I allowed myself to worry about. Say goodbye to my husband, come up with three things that I'm grateful for, take a shower at three o'clock before he comes home (laughs) so he doesn't think I'm still in bed. Yeah. But it got you through. Yes. And so I just want my... I wanted everybody for my guests to start out with where what my foundation was, you know, where I came from and what I'm about. And there's so much more to me. Um, I know there's so much more to you. And one day maybe we'll choose to share that. <laughs> maybe we won't. Thank you for coming on and oh. be, have, being brave enough to like sit here with a microphone with me and oh. tell stories, even though you had very little idea what I was going to bring up because I really didn't have a, an agenda. Oh. I just wanted to kind of share where, where it came from. And my biggest fear is walking away and going, oh, yeah, but I should have talked about oh, this. There's but, so much that we could should yeah. have and could have talked about. And it is the first time I've talked on a microphone like this. But you know what? It, I, I will do anything for my children. And you are my child and you are our love. And we're proud of you. And we are we are one of your best listeners. <laughs> you are. You are. And if I was ever late on posting my podcast, my parents would be the first ones to let me know. Um, so anyway, well, I love you bunches. And oh, I don't you. know. Well, you know, I always say love you big. And mm-hmm. I got that from a very dear friend of mine, Susie. Mm-hmm. She always says love you big. And I said, I have to steal that because that's yeah. such my heart. Um, yeah. I feel that way about everybody. But anyway, I will say goodbye and love you big. Love you to the moon and back. There you go. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. If you can think of one friend or family member that would enjoy today's episode, would you take a moment to share my episode with them? You can also help me out greatly by leaving a review. All you need to do is use the three dots, go to the show and drop down to the five stars to leave that review. I want to be your one-on-one coach. I want you to experience the life-changing results I know are possible and have experienced myself. Go to thecrazyconfidencecoach.com, fill out a profile, and set up your first appointment today. I'll see you next week. Love you big.